my life completely changed. I, I feel like I had a life before MS and now I have a different life. And in some sense, I feel like my life, it's better. I know people are going to think I'm crazy. Welcome to Chronic Stories, people, a podcast dedicated to exploring the stories of people who are fighting chronic illnesses through alternative means. Every two weeks, approximately, we'll bring you inspiring and hopefully thought-provoking interviews with individuals who are taking control of their health and well-being in unique and innovative ways. From alternative therapies to lifestyle changes, we'll try to delve into the stories of people who are refusing to give up and are determined to find solutions to their health challenges. So join us as we uncover the power of the human spirit and the amazing things people can achieve when they refuse to give up. Let's go. We have a special guest today. Her name is Agatha. She's the first woman of the podcast and she's the woman behind Beating My MS on Instagram. I had the pleasure of chatting with her recently and I must say, it was an incredible conversation. As someone who also deals with MS, Agatha has made it her mission to inspire others and show them that it is possible to have a normal life despite the challenges of this disease. Through her social media, she shares her personal journey and offers encouragement to others who may be going through similar struggles. I actually met Agatha through her Instagram and was immediately struck by her energy and resilience. She is truly a powerhouse of a woman, juggling the demands of managing her own health while also being a super mom in a traditional family setting. I'm sure that many of you can relate to the daily balancing act that this requires. So without further ado, let's jump into this conversation and learn more about Agatha's inspiring journey and how she continues to beat MS every single day. Let's go. And here we go. Okay, well, thank you so much, Agatha, again, for coming, for, uh, you know, for agreeing to, uh, to, well, to talk with me today and uh and you know to share your story it's really important uh as i told you before you're the first woman on the podcast so this is really cool and uh and so yeah so you know um i've briefly uh looked at your story because i wanted to discover more like i was very curious and instead of just you know looking at everything that you do i decided to uh to let you tell us a bit more and uh the only thing i know is that you've been uh, diagnosed not long ago and uh and so can you you know share with us like you know like how you were diagnosed and you know the mental and part of a challenge and and you actually ended up you know falling back on your feet very fast from what i understand so can you like tell me a bit more about that yes um so i was diagnosed in 2019 and we were on a ski trip and i was just having uh, anxiety out of nowhere and when we get back to New York uh, my face went numb and I didn't hear anything on my left ear Uh, me I was thinking it's maybe from the altitude or flying so I went to bed I checked my fever I had no fever although my forehead was like burning up Uh, and next day um, I called my doctor to make an appointment to see what's going on and she didn't find anything wrong but she sent me to see an ear specialist. Mm. And after that, uh, that appointment was probably after a few days. And also he put me through like different tests. Uh, He didn't see anything either, but on the way out, I actually asked him if I can get an MRI 
because my dad passed away eight years before uh, in brain cancer. Mm. And I just know the numbness is in my head, you know, <laughs> and the hearing issue, something has to do with brain. And once um, I get that done, I scheduled it, of course, the insurance, and it took like a few weeks. Um, but the next day, he called, actually the office called, and they told me that I have multiple sclerosis. And just like I said it now, I was like, please, can you spell that for me? Because I have no idea what that means. That's and, horrible when they do that. I hate when they do that. I have a very similar yeah. experience. So then, of course, the first thing I did, I called my husband. I'm like, I don't know what's that. And he's like, uh, don't Google it, <laughs> which I, of course, I did. Um, and the only thing I was like, oh, my God, this is like not a life sentence. I don't. It was just like I couldn't stop crying for like, what's my next step? What should I do? They told me like I should make an appointment with a neurologist, which I... I was like, uh, who should I call? My insurance company? Google it? Like, how, how can I find a neurologist? Um, but luckily, we lived in, we, at that time, we lived in Manhattan. So all the good hospitals are around us. So I find an appointment pretty fa uh, quickly. And uh, yes, she confirmed. I remember sitting in her office and she was looking at the brain MRI and she was just... I don't know. She wasn't really answering all my questions. All she said is like, "It's when are you going to start medication? And I was like, I have so many things, you know, I want to know before we get to that part. I want to start a family. We just got married uh, last year. Yes, I did have a miscarriage in November, but now it's March and we are trying to have a baby and I'm 35 I'm turning 35 in actually like five days and she was like no but if you don't get on medication you're gonna end up in wheelchair pretty soon and I kind of left the office <laughs> crying all day and I'm like no it has to be something more you know like and that's when I find the same day I find Dr. Wall's book uh, on Amazon and I ordered it and then I'm like, I cannot wait, you know, 24 hours to get delivered. I just purchased the audio version and started listening to it. I, it's so funny. We have, I told you, we have a, it, this is mirror, like mirror effect. I, I, I found the OMS book like a few days after my diagnosis and I couldn't wait for the Amazon delivery. So I found it on Kindle and I bought it on Kindle and I was reading right away. So it's really similar. Yeah. It's, okay. And, and I, so I grew up in Transylvania, which is part of Romania, and I moved to New York when I was 21. So all my life I was eating organic, healthy, and I wasn't even questioning the food because my my mom, I guess she didn't educate me on the difference because we didn't have we didn't have processed food, so she didn't know the difference. Uh, but when I moved to this country, I wasn't paying attention to what I'm eating. It was more like saving money and spending it on something else, you know, not on mm. food. Mm. Um, so when I was reading Dr. Wall's book, I literally had a notebook in front of me and I was like, okay, broccoli, yes. Uh, mm. Red potatoes, no. <laughs> like I had to re-educate myself what I, because I truly believe once I get through the first few chapters uh, and listening to her story, I kind of, believed how 
I, I'm not saying it's my fault that I have MS, but my lifestyle definitely contributed to it. And I was That's just good. ready to That's try. Good that, yeah. Yeah. That's good that you had the, the you know, the, like you were conscious of, you know, of your choices. And of course, it's nobody's fault if, if we have MS, but we cannot deny the responsibility that we share uh you know um with you know the way our you know we we feed uh our body and the way we live i mean some people don't respect you know their bodies at all and and it, it's not necessarily that they don't they, they don't mean not to respect it they don't necessarily know they're not educated don't pay attention work sometimes gets in the way family gets in the way and so you just don't think about those things and also there's that it's not naive thinking but I mean, you just want to be a normal person. You know, you see what other people are doing. You know, they just live a normal life. I mean, what you consider it to be a normal life. And and you just wonder, why can't I have a normal life like everyone else? And so this is actually something that a lot of things that you said, I, I relate to entirely. Um, um, you know, I when I got diagnosed, it was, um, it was actually a, it was a back surgeon who told me that he told me straight up like, oh, you're your 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 symptoms they really sound like multiple sclerosis and and he said it like i don't know like he wanted you know pepperoni on his pizza he, he said it so casually and and I, and i remember like exiting the his office and and being so um i was i mean i was i was totally thrown off by by his by what he said and i was actually paying the ladies at the at the hospital, I remember, and I was starting to, uh, the lady actually handed me, a, um, you know, a Kleenex because I was starting to tear up, but I couldn't see. Like, I, I didn't feel, I didn't see, I didn't understand that I was starting to tear up. And um, and so, yeah, it's the br the brutality of of, uh, of medical institutions sometimes when they, they don't understand that, you know, they have to be careful. So in the way to deliver such, uh, well, such impactful diagnosis, it's, it's crazy. And um, so, so yeah, and we also, I mean, it's really good that you decided to jump into research immediately and to, you sort of refused, I mean, the way it sounds is that you, you refused the, the reality that was imposed on you. Uh, and this is, I think the, the best attitude that you can have in a sense of, you know, like, it's not because this is happening to you that it must define who you are and like the rest of your life, like doctors say that it will um it's also it's also baffling that uh doctor would just tell you that you know if you don't take medication you will end up in a wheelchair i mean it's it's uh i mean it's like enforcing medication it's it's quite terrible in my opinion how did you how did you move on afterwards because obviously you just said you, you just had a you just got married right you wanted to have children you wanted to have a normal life to build a family um how did you handle the me? I found it difficult back at the time to handle the stress of my loved ones, of my family, because of course, you know, my mom, you know, figuring out that her son has MS and, and, uh, you know, and how did you handle with your husband? How did you handle it with your family? How did you, how did that go for you? Um, my husband was very, very supportive. My family lives in Romania, so I had some time to think about the way I'm going to tell them. And honestly, my mom still doesn't know because she also had cancer. And I just, I know, I, I just felt like I cannot put that. She's the type of person who worries in her dream. 
So mm. I can advise on her to this distance between us already. It's something that she's been struggling with and me also. So, um, yeah, it wasn't easy and it's still not easy, that part. Mm. And it's, it's hard because you don't know if you should be sharing it or you don't want to kind of tear up when you are talking about it. Like in the beginning, it's, it's really hard. And I think I just shared my best friend and my husband's family and which was good because his mom was diagnosed like 40 years ago. And it turns out after she had the lumbar function that she didn't, she didn't have MS. So her response was like, look at me, I'm still walking. And they told me I have MS 30 years ago. But obviously, that was just a positive thing to hear. You know, that's why I was like, maybe they misdiagnosed me. Like I was, I'm still thinking, you know, sometimes when I'm like very upset, I'm like, no, I don't have MS. I don't feel anything, you know, (laughs) maybe it's not true. Um, Whatever helps in your brain. Um, But... (laughs) You're right. You're right. <laughs> so. Okay. So so I understand that it's um I I had to uh, I I did tell my parents back at the time, but of course you know like uh, I would uh, I'm doing really well. I've been I was diagnosed a year prior to you actually in 2018. My first episode was in 2017. Um, my first flare. I just didn't know it was a mess then. Um, so, and I've been doing great, you know, since I, you know, I got diagnosed, I did all the changes that I had to do. And, and, uh, and I remember, um, at one point I had a, it wasn't a flare, but, you know, I work, I mean, I'm a CrossFit athlete and, you know, I, I squat heavy and, and, you know, I do, I do movements with heavy weights. And so when I, one day I had a flare that made me feel really weak on the lower part of my legs. And, um, but I couldn't explain it to anyone because everyone was saying me like, but you train. I was like, yes, but it's not the same. It's just not the same. And it's really what I find difficult with the message that, um, the it, and also that's something that people have a hard time to, to, you know, to comprehend, which is normal because it, it is hard to comprehend is the fact that you can have any part of your body that can be touched by it in the sense that, you know, any muscle, anything can be touched by it. And everybody's different. And, this is where I want to, to, to get to is that everybody is so different, yet they always standardize treatment and they give the same treatment to everyone, which for me sounds really silly uh, because everybody is different in their in why they have MS. Um, the way to treat it for them is always different, but they don't really look for it. Um, so, yeah, and I understand that you didn't want to, you know, don't want to you know, worry your mom. Because after I saw the first doctor, I didn't believe her. So I went to see a different doctor and he recommended a completely different medication. Mm. And then I, I was like, okay, I need a third opinion. <laughs> so I went to see a third doctor, which he's still my doctor. And um, he, he confirmed, but he wasn't pushing me to start medication. He was like, okay, you're doing good. Uh, your symptoms are gone. Steroid treatment worked. And... Uh, come back, let's see if you get pregnant. And if you don't, then um, we'll put you on medication. And that's when I did my research. And actually, I got pregnant, luckily. Um, Congrats. That's why I I had like nine months to do really good research. And then 
another 10 months like breastfeeding i was like okay i'm not i'm not gonna get on medication now and at the end i i get pregnant again so now i have two kids <laughs> oh wow awesome actually i can i can people won't be able to see but i see pictures behind so it's lovely <laughs> Yes. Uh, so I'm still, I'm still undecided. I don't, I, I'm always listening to my gut and my gut is telling me like to wait and not, not get on it yet. Okay. Well, you know, it's, um, it's a very much of a personal journey for everyone. And, and of course, no one, you know, it's also something I say, it's not because uh, we talk about stories of people who don't have medic, who don't take medication that people who take medication should feel you know, different or bad or, you know, by all means, you know, everybody has their own journey. And what really, I often say actually that, um, the, you know, the stress factor is such a big factor for us, right? Yes. And although I I don't, um, very much like Matt, uh, I don't think that current medication uh are um, um, a good alternative as of now, but this is my personal opinion. Um, I do think that the stress induced by not taking this medication to some people who really would feel better with the medication mentally, I feel like the stress can actually be more harmful than than you know the medication, and and vice versa. I think that people really don't want to take medication with the stress that would. That would cause that would that would they would have they would have to go through taking the medication would be so harmful. So. I actually signed the paperwork last summer because I, I I think it was hormonal, but I had really bad anxiety again. And when I went back to see my neurologist, uh, he checked everything and he's like, No, it's just being a mom and it's stress. Luckily your MS you have no new lesions. So whatever doing, it's working, uh, but we still should put you on medication. And I signed the paperwork and everything, and I received the first dose, and it's still sitting in my kitchen cabinet because I was just scared to take it, you know? <laughs> okay, so you're right on point, right? So, no, I totally understand that. I totally understand. See, me, I, I don't see doctors anymore. I don't see no one. I'm on my own now. Um, because I just didn't, I, I never found a doctor with whom I could exchange, uh, like you, you can apparently with yours in the sense that they wanted me to be on medication right away. And I said, listen, I will never take medication. I guess I won't take it. So, and so like there was, you know, there was that kind of, um, in, in French, we have the expression, it's a, it's a conversation between two deaf people. So obviously nothing is going through. Uh, so I just decided not to go see them anymore. And, um, and also I don't, I don't do MRIs anymore because the contrasting agent that they use is, um, is based on galenium, at least in Europe. I don't know how it is in America and galenium is a heavy metal, which is actually neuroaggressive. So that's why I don't, I don't do MRIs anymore. Um, so I just, you know, I just live my life basically. Uh, so, uh, okay. So how, um, it matters, no, huh? huh? And you are doing great. You're feeling great. That's I'm doing okay. great. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm living a normal life. Nobody can even guess that I have a mess. No, I mean, it's, you know, it's just, I have my, I have my leftovers of my, of my symptoms, you know, of like my, the, the relapse that basically gave me MS. Um, and that's it. So, and I mean, but like, and some of them have actually diminished and, and I feel really good. Um, so for me, you know, it's, it's really a matter of, uh, of, uh, 
Uh, I, I know of some, I mean, Bob Cafaro, whom I spoke to um, prior to you, actually had 53 lesions, 53 oh lesions. And 11 years later, they did MRIs on his brains and, and it's all gone. Like everything is just wiped away. Oh it's God. absolutely, yeah. So, and that's one of the, um, the, the, the attitude that I wanted to adopt very early is that when I read about people really healed from MS, I thought to myself, well, if they can do it, there's no reason I can't. And I always say that to people. If some people can heal, if you have the right attitude and you you know apply the right discipline to your life, you you can you can heal too. You really can. Yeah, I completely agree on that. So okay, so all right, so I have uh, I have, I have some questions, of course, because your your story is actually fascinating. Um, how did you um uh Okay, so stereotype for me, I'm not from America originally. Uh, I've lived there for five years, so I know it pretty well. How do you handle, you know, like, I didn't remember seeing so much organic food when I was back on Manhattan, because I lived on Manhattan as well. And oil was really expensive, and you live on Long Island now. So how do you, like, how do you, like, you know, like, uh, you know, let's talk, you know, very simple, like, you know, budget-wise. I remember it was so expensive in America. So, like, how do you do to, like, to get proper you know like uh, organic food you know like uh, do you do like farm to table how what is what is your go-to strategy here oh well these days uh, with the inflation and grocery prices up 40 percent it's very hard uh i am trying to get organic whenever i can but i also follow the ewg you know the dirty dozen mm -hmm. oh yeah right one you should uh, buy organic and which one you should i mean you can you can tell us a bit more about this for people who don't know? Yes, about, they can yeah. go on ewg.org. I believe that's the website and download the sheet. And it says uh, the two different type of list, the dirty dozen and the clean 12, I think. And uh, based on that, but I also read it somewhere that if let's say a fruit or a vegetable has like a cover or skin like orange or bananas that you peel off, that you can kind of save money on getting the net organic one version of it. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, but an apple, if you eat the skin, they recommend doing the organic. Yeah, of course. Because actually, which is uh, very interesting because all the vitamins very often are happen to be in the skin of fruits or yes. vegetables. And so it's better to get organic because if it's not organic, then you actually get all the pesticides because it's always there. So it's actually very good practical um, advice that you're giving here. Uh, so what is your, um, you know, what is, um, what is your approach to life in general, like with MS in the sense that what do you do every day that you wouldn't do if you didn't have MS? Uh, and, uh, I don't know if the time to answer that question. <laughs> what did you say? I don't know if we have the time to answer that we question. We do, we do, we do, we do, we do. I mean, it's my, un, un, until, until you can't. So you, go, you can my go. My life completely changed. I, I feel like I had a life before MS and now I have a different life. Okay. And in some sense, I feel like my life, it's better. I know people are going to think I'm crazy, but <laughs> uh, I... I love learning and I love educating myself and I think I'm just I'm just a different person when it comes to I never cooked and I love cooking. Um I never meditated and I love meditating. You know mm. like it's changed so much and I incorporated these 
new tactics in my life that my daily routine looks like I get up, I meditate, um, I make a smoothie, I plan for the day, like what am I going to cook? I do some exercise, of course, feeding the kids and changing diapers. <laughs> Like, I, I don't want to mention that part, but yes. It's part of your daily life too, okay. Um, dropping uh, Alec off, picking him up from school. <laughs> but it's just, I, I feel like I live more mindfully because of that. And mm. it's it's just, it just makes me feel much better. I feel like I'm healthier than I was uh, five years ago. Mm. I sleep better. I never slept in my whole life. Honestly, I thought like sleeping is like, why do you waste half of your life sleeping? <laughs> that was, <laughs> and now, now I'm like sleeping eight hours. It's amazing. Recently, um, I did cryotherapy and ice baths, which is insane. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I'm trying, I'm trying new things, and I love it. It's 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 really great, and it helps me. It helps my body. And the the biggest thing that I started doing is to listen to my my body, like what it tells me, what's good when I'm eating, when I'm doing exercises. Like don't just ignore the signs, and that's what mm. I did for years. Mm, very very interesting. It's um, you know, it's um. It's interesting what you said, because I remember like a very few weeks within, you know, after my diagnosis, I remember reading a testimony from someone with MS who said that they were actually thankful for the diagnosis. And I remember pausing and telling myself, okay, so if I can reach that point, I will have made it. And I think, I think I've reached it uh, a while back, but it's, it's an ongoing process. It's, it's also something that I also, also tell to people it's like, MS and like, and actually health is not a destination. Like you won't reach a point like, oh, that's it. You're healthy. It's, it's a journey. It's a, it's a daily, it's a daily practice. Um, and there are so many different methods that we can apply. Uh, you, you mentioned um, ice bath. I mean, cold therapy is absolutely wonderful when it comes to, uh, when it comes to your health. Um, I actually do ice bath as well. I'm a big fan of Wim Hof and the Wim Hof method. And I also do cryotherapy actually. Uh, so these are methods that you can use, um, um, you know, I mean, an ice bath, like people will say like, oh, maybe they, I, I cannot do it. I mean, if you have a, if you have bathtub, you just like put glass, you just put water in it and like, you know, pour ice in it. And that's it. You, you, you set. That's right. Get in it. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. It's easy. It's, it's really, it's really not expensive. It costs you nothing. And let me tell you, if you, you can, if it's the, if it's dead, you know, like a dead time in the winter. You can pour, pour water in that uh, in that uh, bathtub, and the water that will actually come out of your of your uh, like you know of, uh, of your of the pipes of your house will actually be cold enough. I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, okay. So no, so it's 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 amazing that you have you have that approach and that you're, I mean, that you're able to actually you know to admit that the person you are now is healthier than the person before. It's actually part also of of uh, of uh, well of the of the healing of the healing journey. You, you mentioned uh, meditation. Um, how um, how did you how did you approach meditation? Um, you said that you like it very much. Can you tell us a bit more about that? This is actually something I've I, I do from time to time, but actually I'm I'm not great at it. Um, this is something I've. This is probably the thing I've struggled with the most. I I will do ice baths much easier than I will do meditation, and I actually do ice baths for meditative purposes. 
Yeah, that's that's an amazing topic. I love talking about this topic because I I was the person sitting down the first time I heard that meditation is really good. So I sat down and I was like, really? Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> like listening to different apps, trying to like calm down my forehead, going down to my butt. It, it was just not working. Uh, then my uh, functional medicine practice also uh, assigned me a health coach, and she recommended me to read uh, Emily Fletcher's book, which is uh, Stress Less, Accomplish More. And that book, I got the older version because reading just takes too long, you know. <laughs> that book actually taught me how to meditate. And once I kind of applied whatever she was teaching it's just everything made sense and since then i read joe dispenza's book and a lot of books and all of them basically talks about how the mind everything comes down to mindfulness and the way that your mind operates and once you can control that you can control anything hmm. actually i remember re hearing about that book the stress less live more and i think i should have just put it down maybe i should add it to my reading list um it's, um, I remember, um, I think it was through the OMS program, uh, from, do, are you familiar with the OMS program, the, uh, overcoming multiple sclerosis program by, uh, uh, I read the book. Yes. Yeah. I read yes. the book. So that's the, that's the first book I read. I felt, I felt like <laughs> I had all the answers to my, all my questions. That's it. So I, I, I as an audio book, it's such a big book, but yes, I, I got through it. It, it was really good. It's really good, and at the end of it, I think in the uh, um, you know like the the dig digital version, there's also a link to a, a documentary on meditation and the impact mm -hmm. of meditation on on health. And when I watched it, I was absolutely my I was I was blown away. And and they actually conduct uh, meditation uh, uh, studies, I believe, in Harvard University. Uh, for the impact that it, for the, you know, to, they're studying the impact that it has on the body. At least that's what they say in the documentary. And, uh, and uh, actually I'll just give that example that actually, I, I, it was so, it was so impactful that I remember it where um, they had uh, people, uh, they were treating people with psoriasis and the psoriasis, the, con the skin condition where you have a, a rash. And one of the, the ways to treat it is actually to go through a, a UV lights. And, um, and so they get into a cabin with UV lights and, and, you know, and it's, it treats them. And one day, and it's it's a long session, it's like 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And so some people are bored. And one of those people, one day, actually decided to meditate. Actually, the person just sat down and meditated. And they realized that that person was healing like four times faster than everyone else. And so this, they, they, understood, they understood something was happening, but they said, they said, maybe it's just a coincidence. So let's try it again. And so they had the thoughts parts of the patients to meditate. And so that like a test of people who meditate versus people who don't, and everybody was meditating was healing actually much faster. So, I so, that. so yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely, um, it's wonderful. I mean, the body can do so many great things. Like it gets me, um, it gets me super excited every, every time I, I speak about, you know, a great, you know, a great, um, like a feat that the body can do. Um, so, um, now that, uh, you are, it interests me a lot to see that how long have you been public now with MS and the fact that you have it and how long have you had your account to actually talk about it more? That's an interesting question because I created my Instagram account the same day when I walked out from my second MRI 
I walked outside and I saw a sign beating cancer. So I'm like, you know what? I need I need something to hold me responsible for this mission I have in life, you know, beating MS. So that's that's my um, hashtag, not hashtag, that's my account name, beating my MS. And I didn't share that account with any of my friends. I was, I even, I didn't use my name <laughs> for years. And I think it took me like two and a half, three years to kind of like, I don't care. I don't care who knows, who sees. Um, people are going to ask me questions. It's okay. Hmm. Um, okay. So, because I mean, I can, I mean, you have, you have like a, a lot of videos now or, where you try to teach people, you know, how to live healthier and, and you actually show them that, you know, whatever you do is, is working. Um, I think that there's a, um, no, there's not everybody. And I'll say it really actually clearly in a sense that not everybody is good at transmitting knowledge or even likes it. And I think it takes also a, a particular type of character to be willing to give. And so what you're doing now is actually you're, like and it's, it's it's actually interesting when you think about it that it's in parallel it, simultaneously almost you became a mom so there's that transmission that you do every day with you know with your kids and now you also are transmitting on a different level um, to pe to people who need help. Yes. Also, when I when I started this account, I did it mainly because I didn't know much about MS and that mm. was my way of learning, mm. and I got so much support. And so much help, especially in the beginning when you don't know the road that you are on, you know, you are trying to navigate and have a million questions. And people reached out and they were so positive and helpful. So I feel like that's what I want to give back for people who are newly diagnosed and they just lost, you know, they, they are looking for other ways how to improve their life and live better with or just cope with this. Mm, mm, mm. Um, so, I mean, what, what advice would you give to people, you know, like who are newly diagnosed or have been diagnosed for a long time, but who are like, or don't really know, you know about alternative methods? Like, what would you tell them to, not to convince them, but, you know, just to, to you know, to, to show them that it works and also to, to, help them, to tell them to hold on? What would you say? Uh, <laughs> I think educating themselves is number one. Like they have to do a lot of research. They have to see who is doing better, what they're doing, uh, trying new things, and definitely like changing their diet because that's that's uh, how you can heal your body by uh, putting the right, feeding it with the right uh, nutrients. Oh, okay. So let's uh, let's uh, do a, a little deep dive into your diet. So what do you? What is like your go-to food? Uh, you know, you're you're a mom, so um, every day you get busy, I'm sure, you know, taking care of the kids, you know, dropping up the kids and stuff and picking them up. Um, one of the major obstacles I always hear from people is the practicality of cooking or the lack of it. Uh, you know, because of course, if you have a mess or you have chronic illness, well, you need to spend a bit more time cooking now. And obviously we all want to know our go-to recipes, um, to do fast when we're on the go, when we don't have much time. So what what is your daily you know, like approach to food? What do you cook? What is your what are your go to recipes? Go to ingredients? Uh, you know, there are so many questions in here. <laughs> yeah, no, but you can you can start however you want to. Um, so I when I I started with the WOS protocol, and we all know that diet it's not one diet fits all. Like 
everybody is different and we have to experience with different diet. And I was on walls for months and then I, it, I, I just switched to try something else. And then I Mediterranean diet, like it comes for me, it comes down to eating four things, which is meat, fish, vegetables, and fruits. Um, when I started this, I literally donated all my all half of my pantry because all all the processed food that I used to cook with it wasn't healthy. So now I am, you know, when I go to the grocery store, I I go in the first part is fruits and vegetables, and that's it. I walked out. I walk out basically. Um, and my biggest friend is my air fryer. That's what I use almost every day. It's just easy to put everything in. You don't have to like monitor what's going on. Or sometimes I use the oven. I just put everything in there too. I'm trying to make it very simple and very easy. So these days, if somebody looking for a good healthy recipes, uh, I recommend going to the auto, autoimmunewellness.com, AIP diet website. All the recipes are super healthy there. And um, yeah, usually starting the day with celery juicing or celery apples, celery carrots, uh, beet, everything with celery. <laughs> are, you med- are, you med- are you a medical medium follower? Oh, yes, I did his diet also a while. Okay, okay. <laughs> I got lost. I got lost with all these, you know, like... So many options. <laughs> like you don't know what's good and what's not. So at the end of the day, I decided I'm doing my own diet, which is these four things I mentioned meat, fruits, vegetables, and fish, and just trying to stay away from everything else. Um, but yeah, I read his book too, and he's amazing. And I'm sure a lot of people can learn from him. Um, <laughs> the, med- the medical medium is, um, every time you know, people ask me, okay, so um, what do you follow? And, all, and I actually do follow, so like a uh, lot of uh, principles, you know, given by the, by uh, his name is uh, Anthony Williams, I think, um, yes. medical medium, and um, and every time people tell me like, oh, but he's a doctor, and I'm like, so, and every time I'm like, okay, so he has a peculiar story, <laughs> but whatever he says actually works. I don't know, I don't know, you know, I don't want to get into the how he had all the ideas, and I don't know if you followed, but like maybe a year ago, not yeah, a year ago. There's been that paper from Harvard University coming out talking about the Epstein Barr virus yeah. for MS. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, he's been talking about it for years. He's been talking about the EBV with MS for years. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, multiple sclerosis caused by EBV. And in my head, I was like, he must be laughing so hard right now. <laughs> Uh, because he's been, he's been. That's what he's been saying for so long, and everybody's just trying to discredit him because he doesn't have like you know medical a medical background. Anyway, so okay, celery juice. I do like the celery juice. I've I've done it for a really long time, and then I stopped a little bit. But I do on and off basically. I do cures of it very often, and it's such a powerful, such a powerful tool. Um, so okay, so great. So um, meat fish um vegetables and fruits so does that do you exclude um you know rice quinoa and all that or do you is it part of your diet as well uh i do include it sometimes Mm -hmm. but not 
like I feel my children are eating it so sometimes I eat it too um I don't know I, I'm still not sure about greens are good not good <laughs> like, yeah I mean everybody is saying all the same I, I do I... my body because for some people they tolerate it like eggs for example like everybody a lot of people are allergic to it and I love eggs and I grew up eating eggs or potatoes like and I also um learned that it really matters when, what you eat while growing up like if you are Asian, you eat a lot of rice. Like you cannot just cut out completely rice. Or if you are, uh, if you grow up eating a lot of beans, like that's I feel like that's what your microbiome needs to thrive. Not a lot, obviously, but like you cannot just because you read it in one book that that's not healthy. You know, like you have to listen to your body. Okay, so uh, you said such a key word. I'm so happy you said it. You said microbiome. Let's talk a little bit about microbiome. How did you? How did you get to learn about it, and um, and um, how do you how do you approach your own microbiome? Larry, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I should get into oh, you can. So, last summer, I I'm from Romania, like I said, and mm-hmm. um, I used to live in Hungary, and I speak Hungarian, and okay. there's this laboratorium in Hungary, um, and I did the test there, and mm. they recommend me supplements and i got like a 57 page report which i it was not even in english on hungarian i didn't understand one word um but more the more i learned about it it just made sense so based on their recommendations i uh, changed my supplements and i just felt better right away okay what what kind of supplements did they advise for (laughs) so they didn't advise me to take it for a very long like one month was um quercetin i don't know okay. if you okay yeah. can can you tell can you explain what it is <laughs> no <laughs> no it's okay it's okay don't worry about it it's it's for uh <laughs> it's to increase certain bacteria that my uh okay my... that that your gut needs okay yeah. okay um or it helps with uh i think liver function which is we know that it's a huge part of detoxification um what else? Uh, vitamin D, of course. Um, we are talking about what supplements I'm ta- currently taking. It's the B12, DHA, EPA. Um, what else is on the list? Of course, prebiotics. Oh, yes. <laughs> You're taking this one. Every day, every day I get my vitamin D and my vitamin B12. One interesting thing that I took enzymes for years actually not for years after I was diagnosed with MS, I started taking enzymes. But based on these tests, they told me that the enzymes I'm taking, it's not the right ones. I should switch to a different ones because I, I need different um, bacteria. To, to, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. So yeah, it's kind of very deep <laughs> to talk about the microbiome. It's very complex. But so um, I always tell people, you know, because a lot of people have misconception about the microbiome. And also there's that thing of, I always try to explain to people that you do not digest your food. The bacteria in your, in your gut actually do it for you. They have their own digestive systems. And just to make it really simple, you know, without getting too deep into it, I always say like, listen, you have, you have two different types of population in your gut. You have a bad population and you have a good population. It's really simple, actually. And the bad population feeds on, um, well, it does actually feeds on like, you know, bad hormones, like the glyphosate, um, uh, like sugar, processed food and all that stuff that they put in there. And the good microbiome 
is actually is actually feeding off fiber, and fiber is only in fruits and veggies, uh, mostly in fruits and veggies. And so, of course, you know, like there are some uh, particularities. You know, bio bio individuality is really important. So sometimes your own microbiome will, you know react differently based on certain types of food but the general the fact that you know processed food processed sugar and all that none of the microbiomes that we have like no one on earth actually can actually take it well um and the more you feed the the one or the other the more populated your gut will be in that particular microbiome and so you know every time so for instance like when we talk about legumes for instance beans or lentils People's like, oh yeah, but like I get bloated afterwards. And I actually explained to them, it's actually because you don't have the microbiome to digest it. And that's you come from also from a from a place in the world where um I think I mean I uh, in I mean most of the countries actually in the, in Eastern Europe have uh, fermented food. They have pickled food and fermented food. So in Russia uh, or in Ukraine, they would have like a kvashina kapusta, which is literally it's a uh, it's um it's um um uh, how do you call it? it's not flour it's not cauliflower it's uh, cabbage it's yeah. a fermented cabbage and uh, and it's really interesting when you go to a Georgian restaurant Georgian are not Eastern Europeans but they're Caucasians. They actually they have a, a, a traditional dish called lobio, which is actually made of beans. And they serve it, very often they serve it with, with that particular type of fermented um, um, cabbage because the cabbage is actually a probiotic that will actually populate your gut. And they don't do it because they know, like, they just, it's like, it's an ancestral, you know, habit that they realize, oh, you feel better when you actually eat it with it because it, they help you actually digest. So it's really fascinating. Um, I mean, the microbiome is such a fascinating topic. Um, and also just, I'll just finish on this because uh, the microbiome, actually you have, you have, you have different microbiomes in your body. Uh, you have the microbiome of the mouth, which is like one microbiome and like you have the microbiome of the, of the gut and like the whole thing, the whole of it is the microbiota. Uh, and so very often people like use it interchangeably. Um, so really interesting. Huh? So many things about this. I love that you know so many things about this. Now I have somebody to call. <laughs> uh, well, you know, because it's the key thing that you said at the very beginning is you need to educate yourself. You need to educate yourself. The first thing I did, I spent, I spent, I don't know, hundreds of hours researching medical papers. Um, I researched uh, the the gut, you know, the gut brain axis. I researched some um, micronutrition. I did so much research just to help myself because I understood that I was on my own. And of course, sometimes I get, you know, I get help because I met people who are, you know, passionate about like medicine. Um, and, and so they help me out also because they study medicine and they have like a different, you know, look on things, but still, you know, it's, you need to educate yourself or nobody's going to do it for you. And that's really important. And I fully agree with what you said. You also mentioned the liver and the detoxification, uh, um, the liver. And I always, I mean, I insist on this very often is that there are three different organs that are responsible for detoxification in the body. The first one is the liver. Uh, the liver is the most important. But then like, there are two that people very often forget, actually. The second one is the, are the lungs. Lungs are also a detoxifier. And the last one that is actually the most obvious, but the most uh, underlooked is the skin. The skin is also a detoxifier. And very often I, I tell people, like, if you feel like you have a... Um, like a, an acne, like acne reaction to something, it's because your your liver is not being able to actually do its job. So it's actually asking your skin to actually do the rest. Um, so it's it might be a sign that your liver might be overloaded. Um, it's one of like you know me for instance if I I if I very before being diagnosed actually anytime I would eat something that would be too early 
uh, I would have like, a, I would I instantly almost like the day after I would have like, I would have a, like a, a spot on my forehead or something. And every time, like, and, you know, people who know me, they'll be like, oh, what did you eat? I'm like, yeah, no, like, I cannot eat something that, is, that has oil in it. So for me, processed food, mayonnaise and all that has always been out of the menu. I could never have it. Yeah. Um, That's why I have a journal, so I know what I eat. <laughs> do you have a journal? Tell me more about this. True, I do. So I'm a graphic designer and I was looking for a journal and I couldn't find one, so I made one. Uh, <laughs> but it's... Uh, I just write, I don't write down the details of the recipe, what's in there, but I do write down where I eat, uh, if I eat in a restaurant and what I had, because you look back and you see what costs, you know, if you have a flare up or if you don't feel good that day, or if you feel anxious, like every single thing that you put in your body has a reaction. Mm. Or if I feel energized, then I know what I need to eat more. <laughs> <laughs> that, so do you keep that uh, journal up to date every day? No, unfortunately, I, I should be a little bit better. But uh, I go back and I fill out the pages. And uh, also it helps a lot like with the supplements and everything. Okay. And doctor's appointments, you know. <laughs> okay. You have to keep up with all those. Okay. Um, okay, great. I mean, um, it's... It's really important to to um, to know yourself, and if the journal is obviously a good tool for you, it's you know it's important you know to to find ways that are you know that fit your your day to day life and, you know in the best way that you know that you can. Like and the journal, I think is actually a great idea. I never heard of. I mean, actually, I know of one only one person who uh, who's who's passed away um, sadly now who had a um, a very um, acute um, a type of uh, of uh, diabetes. And uh, and he had to actually to write everything down of what he was eating every day, programs and everything. So he and he's he actually lived he way outlived the you know the diagnosis that the prognosis that the doctors uh, gave him by something like twenty five years or more. So so yeah. So obviously discipline is very important. Um, this food journal, but I do recommend having a personal journal because writing things out, it's also a good way to detox your brain. Yeah, um, yeah, very, um, very, um, very sensible uh, advice that you give here. Um, how, um, how do you, you know, like, um, do you have right now you have your, your platform on Instagram? Do you plan to to share your knowledge a bit more with everyone? Like maybe like maybe a book in the making, your graphic designer, maybe you could do there are so many things that you could do. Like do you plan to extend uh, the way you share your knowledge uh, beyond uh, Instagram? Um, and and uh, sometimes podcast. Thinking about anything specific up until like two weeks ago. So it's funny you asked. Okay. Because I just had this idea. I, I'm not a writer, but I want to share my story. And it's not only my story, but people who are living with MS and they are succeeding, you know, like maybe publishing a book with a collection of stories from different people. And I actually, I was just so excited about the idea. I posted it on Instagram and I find an editor who is super excited about this. So we started working on this project and it turns out I already have 10 people who are share, who wants to share their stories. So, and I would love you to be in it as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Thank you. I'll gladly contribute. <laughs> we can talk about this on another call. Of course. Of course. But yes, that's, uh, that's, I have that on my agenda. 
Very good. Um, it's very important that uh, we have more and more, um, you know, uh, um, sources of knowledge uh, of MS, not just because very often, you know, like the books that we mentioned, you know, microbiome and all that, like it's, I mean, it's not everybody who's going to towards those books, but they will more easily go towards books of that real, you know, with stories, exactly inspirational, with stories that they can relate to. And it's a, when I did all that research and I understood that, you know, people having chronic illnesses, you know, next, you know, people that I know, um, not, not really having the mindset to actually get, you know, deeper into the research and everything. I thought to myself, well, maybe my job is actually to help them to be the middleman between the research and them. So they can actually don't have to go through the research, but I can actually you know, digest it for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this podcast is actually one of the, one of the, you know, it's, it's exactly the illustration of, of, of what I just said. Um, what you're doing, I think this is so important. And also the book, uh, I remember when I was diagnosed, I had to read like literally 20 books to just to piece the t- pieces, you know, the puzzle together. And I want this book to be like a manual where people can go with a highlighter and just like highlight, okay, I want to try this. Like, it seems like this is working, you know, everybody's talking about this. So yeah, it's uh, it's something that it's not only like sharing inspirational things, but also like, okay, yes, this is this is something that I want to look into it. Okay, great. Well, I'm very much uh, looking forward to it, uh, uh, to that book. And yeah, of course, I will gladly participate. Um, is there uh, like anything that, you know, that uh, is really important to you for, you know, for people to know about MS or about your story or about like, you know, not giving up or anything that you you know, the most important thing that you would tell to people with chronic illnesses and MS in particular, of course. Uh, I think uh, Dr. Walsh said it really wisely. Uh, don't give too much credit for the, your diagnosis. Like life goes on and you just have to take care of yourself and do your best every day with diet and lifestyle and just live and be happy and do your mindfulness and surround yourself with uh, like-minded individuals and don't stress (laughs) well that's really important yeah stress is a very big factor people need to take it into consideration um that was actually great thank you so much i really enjoyed uh, having you and thank you so much for taking the time with you know in your busy uh, life it's friday you probably have you today thank you for sharing (laughs) oh no you're joking Uh, this was great i love the conversation and and um and you know i hope like you know maybe like in two years time we'll do this again and you'll tell us how you're doing that'd be great and maybe like when you publish that book you're back on for sure (laughs) so you can tell us more about how you know how it went and all that i appreciate it thank you and there you have it the inspiring story of agatha the woman behind beating my ms on instagram who continues to beat the odds and inspire others. In the meantime, please share this podcast and spread the word that I'm here to help. Also, if you have an incredible story to share, know of someone who does or know a scientist who'd love to come and talk on the show, or if you just want to chat with me, send me an email at chronic.stories at proton.me. So until next time, keep striving towards your goals. If you stay focused, discipline and never give up just like Agatha, something good is coming your way.